Good morning, everyone. Our first reading, um, which comes, uh, the Old Testament reading coming from First Kings, uh, we're told about uh, King Solomon, uh, one of the wisest uh, men of the Old Testament. And uh, there, uh, God asks him, ask me and I will give it to you, what you ask. And he asked properly. He asked for the right thing. And, we're, and it's given an example because God says, I will do this for you. And he asked, the things he asked for was really for his people. Uh, and um, my friends, uh, I've been sharing with everyone that I knew the readings were coming. And uh, uh, this week I bought a lottery ticket. And um, I bought it at a gas station. So I went into a gas station and bought it. Uh, I, instru- I said, uh, I would like to have the computer pick the numbers, and the, the lady behind the counter said, okay, well, we need to do this. <laughs> Here's your pencil. You need to do it. I can't do it for you. And I said, okay. And I noticed she was looking at me, uh, and I, you know, when, you know, you can tell when someone's looking at you like, hey, hi, and when they're looking at you like, hmm. Uh, so I thought, was, I told Deacon, I, I think she's looking. I thought she was looking at my hair <laughs> for some reason. And uh, um, I give her the money, and she gives me the ticket. And she had this very odd look on her face, and she was like, good luck? <laughs> and I thought, okay. Uh, and I went into my car, and I'm like, what was that all about? And I thought, well, maybe, you know, I don't know. And I'm looking in the rearview mirror, and I realize I have my collar on. <laughs> so I thought, when was the last time a Roman Catholic priest walked into the gas station and bought anything besides a Twinkie? <laughs> and I realized she probably thought, why is this man of the cloth buying a lottery ticket? And uh, what do I say to him? But, so now I understand why she was like, good luck? <laughs> So, my friends, I did not choose wisely in that moment, like King Solomon, Uh, meaning (laughs) as I was in the car, I'm like, Lord, may this be the winning ticket. And, uh, well, it was. It was $4. (laughs) Unlike Solomon, I did not be specific with God about what I wanted. So, uh, don't do that. Uh, But I'd been taking a toll of the people. I'm like, should I have taken my collar off? Uh, I hadn't think about it, you know, because I never want to give scandal. I'm not embarrassed about being priest, but I never want to scandalize anyone. And uh, the past two masters are like, don't you dare take your cowl off. It's good for them to see you and to have you be seen this way. And uh, certainly, uh, Mother Church has made very good use of a game of chance, also called bingo. So gambling isn't a problem until it's a problem. So there was nothing wrong with me buying the ticket. I just wondered. My friends, um, our second reading from St. Paul, uh, there's two messages we get from it. First, that all things uh, happen uh, and can be transformed into the will of God, what he ultimately wants, even if those things are considered to be negative. So if something bad happens, God can make it work. And the second piece is a little more complicated because uh, there's a word being used, uh, if you will, um, uh, predestined. And our understanding of predestined is different from the way Paul was understanding it. Now, part of the issue was in the book of Revelation, there's a mention of the elect of 144,000. And because of that, some folks have connected 
Paul's word to predestine, meaning that uh, every, it's all been rearranged. There's nothing you can do about it. That's not what Paul's talking about. Uh, because we have free choice. God has given us the gift of free choice. And it's intention, a good kind of contention with God's desire and will. Uh, he always wants us to choose. So what is Paul really talking about? It's in the statement that follows. So we've been predestined to be his children, different from a tree or a cow. This is all creation. This is God's creation and the tree is. But we're different. And we've been predestined to be in the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And the desire of God and his hope, if we were to put it that way, is that you would choose the way his son chose him. So it's about being in relationship, choosing it. And that makes more sense now to understand it that way, particularly because the church has lined it up with the first reading, which is about discernment, making the right decisions, and choosing properly. And uh, the idea uh, that all things work for the good of the dog? No, all things work good for the, the person who's chosen. And ultimately, these parables that we have today, we've been, for the past couple of weeks, we've been hearing parables, and parables have been studied by the church for a long time. And normally, my approach for you, with you, would be, I would give you the context of the parable and then explain in deep detail to you, almost like Bible study. And some folks have said, Father, we like when you do that, but can you be practical sometimes? So this is my attempt at being practical with the scriptures. Um, so the first two parables um, are about discernment. The third one is a little bit different, and I'll get more into that. But the first two parables, the elements of those parables are, include diligent efforts on our part, uh, sudden discovery of something, not of our own doing. It talks a lot about joy. Both parables talk about a joy. And, um, but also, I think, and here is the craft to make a decision. The parables are saying you have to make a decision and stand by that decision and make sure it's the right one. And what he's putting forth is choose the treasure and that treasure will become yours. And ultimately, the treasure that he's talking about, he's liking it to a pearl, um, you know, to a treasure buried in the ground. Uh, the treasure is the relationship with God. Choose to have that. And it's the greatest thing ever. And now here, my friends, normally a parable about the kingdom of heaven has God as the focus. But these two parables do not do that. They actually focus on the human person and what the human person is doing. So they're a little bit different. And, uh, but I had to look and say, what does it say about God, however? And I think uh, the implicit point here about God is the manner in which God hides treasures in familiar places for us to discover and to make our own. God works below the surface of everything, and uh, he invites us to look and to discover his thumbprint on everything that he's doing. If the parables are in some fashion about God, it is about God being at work and doing different things. And these parables also put another message. They insist that God has priorities. The treasure he hides is his priority. And ultimately, he would want you to have the same priority. 
And here's where the tension and challenges are. His desires versus ours, if you will. His priority versus ours. Um, we all know that there are things that are more valuable than other things. You know this. What the parable is also saying is that he expects the disciples to know the difference also and to choose wisely, to know what is most important and um, uh, what is not. And uh, my friends, um, I believe this is Matthew's message, uh, that the kingdom of heaven can be found, but it can only be found with great effort and discernment. And uh, like the treasure in, buried in the field, when you find it, you will do what is necessary to keep it. In Jesus' time, you had to buy the land that the treasure was on. And, uh, but it required that you had to dig. God isn't the one who did the digging. We must do it. You see, there's something on our part uh, that we must do that the parables are putting forth. And the pearl of the great price is something that uh, was beautiful, and the pearl is very delicate, uh, but it is one of the most prized possessions in Jesus' time. It, too, had to be harvested. It had to be handled with care, and it took patience. Um, my friends, I likened myself at the last Mass. Um, when I was little, my heart was to be a priest. And um, then as I grew, I made different choices. And sometimes I wonder about those choices that I've made. But there came a point when I had to decide what was of great value to me. And was I going to choose to surrender everything to Him? Or was I going to continue on the path that I had been on and he allowed? But at some point, he forced his hand for me to make a decision to turn over my life to him. <laughs> I still wonder if I made the right decision. You know, the people get to say, nah, he's a terrible priest. Wrong, wrong decision. But my friends, um, and this is where the third parable, the third parable talks about good and bad fish, and we can certainly apply to like last week's, where we're talking about there's good and bad things in the world, good and bad things in society, good and bad things in the church. But I do not think that's why Matthew paired this one up with the other two. I think it's really a parable about us making discernment about what is good and what is not so good in our lives, what is holy and what is not, and to decide, and then to risk it all, but one of the things about the net was uh, in the parable is that it's full to the brim and it could break. If their nets break, that's their source of living. They would have to spend a week mending the net and losing out. But the parable seems to suggest then that risk it. Take the risk on the treasure. And then you will discern. And we could talk about bad habits too. You know, discern what is a good habit for yourself and what is a bad habit. And um, I believe this is what Matthew is getting at. So my friends, one of the things that comes out then is uh, the finding of the kingdom of heaven can be messy. And uh, it might mean you have to give up perhaps your desires and maybe even some of your dreams. Husband and wives kind of do this all the time. A husband and wife, they've made a decision of what is the greatest value they've decided that their husband, that man is of great value, and I will spend, they will spend their life with them. 
the husband has decided, that is of great value to me, that woman, that is to be my wife. You see, they've chosen. And maybe that yes means no to other things. What God is looking for is for you to choose him. To choose to be in relationship with him and make it that great pearl, to make it that treasure also. And uh, if we are seeking the kingdom of heaven, we must eventually tune in to the vision that God has. Uh, and that's, it's challenging. It's, it's very, very challenging. I don't tell you that it's not. Um, in this third parable uh, with the fish uh, that are good and bad, uh, um, meaning the net collects everything, we'll have to decide uh, what is of value and what is of not. It does indicate that finding God will require careful, careful discernment and perhaps discerning all that is good and just and true and has great value to those things that are just, not silly, just. Uh, there's another parable that is given where the decision is not between what is bad and what is good, but what is holy and what is good. Meaning, sometimes it's tough. It's really, really, really tough. And my friends, today I look around and there's such a huge variety of everything and anything you could possibly want. And we have Amazon who you can have whatever you want and you have a hundred selections of the same thing and you have to go read other people's opinion about it. And then you order it and it's here in two hours. And if it doesn't come in two hours, who are people angry? Where is that dang Amazon driver? <laughs> so coupled with the ease of communication and transportation, um, I think sometimes it contributes and gets in the way of many people in making decisions that they should make. Before the pandemic, <clears throat> if you didn't like your job, just take another one. Don't give notice if you don't want to. Just do something different. And uh, if you don't like where you live, just sell your house and move somewhere else. Just choices, choices, choices. And uh, through the media today and, and the ease of travel typically, uh, we see how the grass is greener somewhere else. It's always better somewhere else. And uh, I think this gets in the way because it tells us you don't have to tie yourself down to anything or anyone ever. And I think people sometimes can have trouble making a decision or a commitment. And suspending our judgment and never coming to a conclusion, I think, hinders real growth. And uh, without giving ourselves over to something or someone, I think we find ourselves, we've wasted time and talent. These parables about the buried treasure that has great value and the pearl that has great value tells us that there is something to which we should give ourselves wholeheartedly helping, in this case, working towards the reign of God in the world, working on our relationship with him, being truly his disciples, truly being his children in the likeness of his begotten one, Jesus. 
And the parables do not urge us unthinkingly to give of ourselves to whatever comes along, but a wholehearted dedication to what is most important, to forever hesitate and weigh possibilities can simply be a way of avoiding making commitments. I believe that's what I was doing when I wasn't choosing him first and waiting so long to become a priest until he had to finally force me into a corner <clears throat> to make the decision. And hopefully I've made the right one. <laughs> he seems to think so because he had the archbishop ordain me. And that archbishop, I talked with him about this because uh, I was considered an older vocation. And he told me, stop looking back. You keep looking back. He said, trust that God took you in those places and all those experiences, and he will use them. And someone will come to you as priest, and those experiences will then come forward, and you will be able to help that person. So he said, knock it off and start moving forward, uh, which I don't do all the time. Uh, but life is too short to spend most of it trying to figure out such things or whether there is anything to which one should give ourselves to. But you know that there is. So my friends, I want to leave you with this, if nothing else, with these parables. No matter how you approach them, no matter classically, or I'm trying to do this in a practical way and I need more experience with that, I'm more comfortable giving you the Bible study version. Um, first thing is to have the wisdom to recognize the incredible worth of being a child of God and of choosing Him as Father and to be in that relationship, which then means being in relationship with the others around you in the same way. And the second thing, which I'm working on all the time, is to have courage and fortitude and stake everything on the Father. Trust Him with everything. So my words to you are, be wise, be bold, and be strong. Be courageous when it comes to God.